It has been said that um, every culture has art and has music and has popular interest. And if you look at those things, you can learn a lot about what is important and what is the focus of that culture. And in this age, that is more true than ever. And so you can look at what is trending, and it reveals something about North American culture. It reveals something about the hearts of people. And we believe something around here that that there is nothing going on on, on the planet that the maker of all and the creator that, who, who made us doesn't have something to say about. So what we're going to do is, in this series that starts today called God Trending, we're going to look at that which has captivated the attention of our society right now. And we're going to look at ask, and ask the question, why do you suppose that is? And then turn and say, and what might the God who made us have to say about that? Now, what we're going to do is make this very interactive. So if you have been paying attention or if you're new to here today, this is what we're going to do. If you have a Twitter account and you have a device, we encourage you to take that out. You can take it out right now. And here's how it's going to work. You can interact a, a lot of what's going on and you can use the hashtag on Twitter, God Trending. If you don't know how to spell it, I'll just pause for a moment and ask you to think about how it might be spelled. Okay. And then you can send anything you want to that, and you'll start to see them scrolling as we go through this. Now, you is going to be interactive. So if you have a comment about what we're doing, if you have a question about what we're doing, sometimes we're going to ask you uh, to vote on something or give your opinion on something. If you've got a passage of Scripture that comes to your mind. If you've got a short account that you said, that happened to me, or, or I, I have experienced that, you're welcome to do that. You ready to do it? Now, we're going to practice. Right? So if you have a device on you right now, I'm going to ask you to go to your, and you have a Twitter account. I'm going to ask you a question, all right? So would you put the, your thoughts to this right now? On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest, best, how was your week? All right, you can just punch that in. Do it now. We're going to show you how that works. You'll be able to see those kind of coming up as, as they come up on our screen. Now, Again, what you can send us is, if we ask a question of you, you can uh, respond to that, and we'll, and we'll just put those up there. We'll rotate them. and as We may not be able to put them all up, but we'll get as many as, as we can fit. Um, if you've got a, a comment or an opinion that you would like to give, you, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. We'd ask you to use correct, you know, proper language or whatever, but you know, do, do what you like with that to, to let us know. If you got a personal account, you got a scripture passage, all right? So now you know how it works? All right. We're going to jump in. We're going to do worship at the end of, our, of the time where we do this today, kind of as a follow-up to that. But while you're doing that, we, and while I get set up, would you turn to somebody and maybe, maybe, you know what, stand up with me for a minute. Find somebody who you didn't come with today. You might ask them what their Twitter handle is. And then uh, glad you're here today.
right, thanks for coming. Can you multitask? All right. So if you're paying attention this week, you may have seen a number of things that have uh, kind of jumped to the forefront and, and gotten our attention. And one of those things has been to see whether or not we're going to see the northern lights. Because, as you might have heard, there was a solar uh, explosion this week that caused an electrical charge that is currently baking the planet and affecting some electronics. I'm not going to talk about that, but that's kind of interesting, right? Maybe you heard about what Burger King did. Starting September 19th in Japan, they're going to introduce the Kuro Burger, also known as the Black Burger. It uses a regular beef patty. Uh, It uses black cheese made with bamboo charcoal. And then it uses a black bun dyed with squid ink. And it has special sauce. It's black garlic, also black. Let's not talk about that one either. Let's talk about this one. You recognize his face? That is Rob Ford. Rob Ford is the mayor of Toronto. And he has been uh, trending this week. Now, if you know anything about Rob Ford, you know that he is not an ordinary mayor. Um, He is a very brash, very, very unapologetic about his lifestyle. And he was accused for months of smoking crack cocaine. Denied it, denied it. And then a video came out of him doing it. He then admitted to a multitude of things, including uh, public drunkenness, drinking and driving, illegal drug use. And he said probably why he didn't remember the the cocaine, the crack use, was because he did it while he was in a drunken stupor. He's called on to resign and absolutely resisted that. He is still the mayor. In fact, he went so far as to announce that he was going to run for re-election. The election is the end of October. He, another video, he was uh, ranting and uh, publicly, wildly uh, gesticulating that he was threatening to kill somebody. He ran over a lady in their chamber running to, to try to fight somebody. He's used heroin in the company of suspected drug dealers. Uh, and his supporters were involved in kidnapping one of those dealers who was attempting to blackmail him over those charges. He, uh, re- again, he refused to, to resign, and he is in the midst of running for re-election. This week, he's trending because he has pulled out of that race. But not for any of those reasons. It's because his doctor found a significant lump in his abdomen, not knowing whether it's cancerous or not. And, uh, and so he's going to pull out of that race. However, he is now turning it over to his older brother, Doug, to run for mayor, and then he is going, who is on the city council, and he's now going to run for the council seat that his brother is stepping out of. Here's, I got a question for you to vote on if you're on Twitter, all right? Or not vote on, but just comment on. When you hear a story about, um, Rob Ford, I think we have, we're going to put this question up. What, how would you describe his behavior in a word or phrase when, when you think about how it affects you to hear that? Let's just get your opinion on it. What would you say are the, are the, is a word or phrase that comes to mind? All right, we'll let you take a look at those. Now, the question we want to ask about that is, what is it about that that gets our attention? What does it say about us that it, we're paying such attention to a guy who 
And if you're, if you're a citizen of the United States, he's not even representing your country. He's from Canada. It's a neighbor and a friend, but why is, that, why is that so important? And I think for a lot of us, part of it is we can't not look at a train wreck. We, we're intrigued to see somebody who's on a path. But there's also something that kind of troubles us to say, how can he get away with that? Why, why, is it, why is it that a person could be so brashly breaking the law, violating a trust, and there's no recompense for that? There doesn't seem to be the guy. He's actually increased just before this week. His, he's in a tight race for re-election, and the polls had him increasing. He's in second place right now, but increasing the, his, his, uh, his share of who people say are going to vote. What, what is it about that? And I suppose we would say, what is up with the people of Toronto? (laughs) How how can they stand by and watch that happen? What? How can nothing be done? I mean, they took his powers away. The city council voted his powers away. But how is it? Here's another way of saying it. Here's a way that the Bible kind of says it. Why do the wicked prosper? Why do people who violate universally understood principles of right seem to get away with it. I'm just going to turn to a couple passages of Scripture about that, and we may show you some of those. But there is something, what what does God have to say about it? And in Ecclesiastes, we find out that this kind of thing isn't new, because in Ecclesiastes 10, verses 5 and 6, here's what the writer of Scripture says. There's an evil I've seen under the sun, sort of air that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions while other people occupy the low ones. It's uncomfortable to to watch somebody get away with stuff, isn't it? You ever, you have somebody who you work with who violates principles of the workplace? You got somebody at school who cheats and, seem, and gets away with the better grades? How does it make you feel? You know what? I'm, I'm somebody who has said he wants to put his trust in a righteous God and a holy God, but I get pretty ticked off at God sometimes because I see people who don't work near as hard as I do, people who aren't living nearly as clean a life as I am, who are prospering far more, get the very things that I really wish I had. I pray for them, I work for them, and I don't get them. And somebody else does. <clears throat> Listen to Psalm 73. Uh, this, is, this is a psalm of Asaph. And he, he, he is a very honest kind of reply. And if you've got a Bible, you can take a look with me. Verse 3 says, I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? They're defying God, basically, is what he's saying. This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree. They increase in wealth. 
And here's the reflection that I feel. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. You ever feel that way? He goes on to just kind of bemoan the fact that somebody seems to be getting away with it. Now, I do not believe, I do not believe that Rob Ford contracted this tumor that he's got as a direct payment from God. I don't think that's how God works. I don't think he stands, I don't believe in karma. I don't think the karma is taught in the Bible. God does say you reap what you sow. God does say that your sins will find you out. But God does not say you make this wrong move and I'll do this disease to you. That therefore, if anybody has a disease, they must have sinned. Job's counselors suggested that and God came in and said, who are these fools? That's not how I work. He allows his, the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. There are people who get away with a whole lot of stuff, but... Here is something God says. Here is something that if I were to meet Mr. Ford, I would suggest he think about. And Ecclesiastes says this in Ecclesiastes 9, verses 11 and following. I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not won by the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But here's a phrase. But time and chance happen to them all. You know what that's saying? You can't dodge bullets forever. You can't. You live in a fallen world, with a fallen body, in a fallen culture, and you will eventually get hit. Eventually, you will start to recognize something that is true about every human being that we are not independent, and we are not above our circumstances or consequences. And eventually, it will catch up with you. The form in which it catches up to you, you can't predict. The, the time it'll happen may not be known. But guarantee this, there is somebody who keeps track. There is somebody who holds us accountable. And that person has not been asleep. He is patient. And he's good. But he understands. There's this other passage in um, Psalm. Uh, wait, it's, uh, I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. It just, it just says, Let the one who stands take heed, lest he fall. Now, it's talk, not talking about somebody defying somebody in Scripture, but in 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 sin, but it is making a statement that just when you think you, somebody's getting away with it, they find out that they won't. And what this says to me is, that it, there's a, this passage in First Peter that where we're, there's a question asked that says, um, why is God, where, where's, where is he, when's he going to wrap this up? When, when is it going to be done? When is, he going, when, are people, when is justice going to be done? And God says, don't, in 1 Peter 3, it says, don't, don't look at, at God's slowness in doing that as, an, as, as equal to him not being in control or unable. Here's what God is doing. He's being patient. He's allowing time and room 
so that people can repent. Because God is not willing, He's not desiring that people perish. His desire is that all would come to repentance. You know what that tells me? I can laugh about Rob Ford. I can laugh with Jimmy Fallon when he imitates him. But I have to ask myself, would I pray for him? Would I invite him to consider his path? And what might God do if he turned? All right, let's look at another one. Am I missing anything yet? All right, so let's take... Okay, so you heard this already, right? This week, big Cupertino, California, big announcement, Apple. Comes out and changes the world, so they said, with announcement of the new products. And the Apple uh, iPhone 6 is now out. Uh, there's a new system called uh, Apple Pay, which, is, which they promise will eventually eliminate the need for you to have a wallet. And then the big announcement was the Apple Watch, which you wear on your wrist, which is Apple now moves into wearable technology. Now, what, what prompted this trending is because when Apple speaks, everybody listens. Right? And, uh, and when they do, they treat it like a coronation. If you saw any of the footage from the presentation, it's almost like announcing who the king of the world is. It's... Here is what we have created for you that you now are not allowed to live without. It's amazing stuff, amazing technology, helpful stuff. And the big thing, the big one more thing they presented was the Apple Watch, which they said is a game changer because it does several things. Among them, when you, it will give you directions so that if you're going somewhere and you tell it where you want to go, it'll give you a little nudge that tells you to turn left now, a little nudge, a different nudge that tells you to turn right now. You can use it as a walkie-talkie. You can, um, it's, a, it, it, it's a, a workout monitor to, for setting goals for how much you work out and it can t- in your heartbeat. You can use it to pay for stuff and if you have the right app, you can wave it in front of the door of your hotel room and it'll unlock your door for you. Cool, huh? So here's a question for you. If you want to just put this on, send us what your thought on this. Which of these phrases would you say best describes your interest in Apple Watch? I'd love one, maybe, or no way. We'd just be curious what we say here when you hear about it. Now, what our interest in, in the Apple Watch reveals to us is, first of all, we like really, we like shiny things, don't we? I like shiny things. Squirrel. You know, I, I, anytime something new is presented to get our attention, um, I want to, I, I, all of a sudden, how many times have you said, I didn't even know that existed, but now I have to have it. I can't live without it. And there's a promise from some of that stuff that it will make our, the quality of our life will be better because of it. That we will be healthier, stronger, more effective, more productive, that we will flourish more because of whatever that thing is than we did. Have you ever gone back and seen footage of like old sports events before it was in high def? I look at that stuff as a sports fan and I go, this is unacceptable. I can't, I, I can't see what they're doing because I need to have it in 
high definition. I must have it in a high definition. I can't live without it. That's what's happened. I get conditioned. Do you? In, we have a generation. I'm not going to pick on these guys too much. But you know what? This group here who's in high school, there's stuff they have that they will tell you that you are an unfit parent if you don't provide it for them. And the rest of us said, it didn't exist when I was your age. And what we say is, and I turned out okay. And of course, their response is, (laughs) I just want to focus on one thing about this, just about, uh, let's focus for a second on the, the Apple Watch, because that's the new thing, all right? And, and the fact that it's being sold to us and people are going to spend lots for it. And I, I don't know, what are we saying? Do we like it? I don't, don't know if you want it or not. But there's something that it does for, for us. And, and this is going to touch on to what God might say in, in response. Because, and it has to do with the whole aspect of time. Because Apple has now said, we're going to revolutionize the way you keep time and what you can, and what you can do with your time. We're going to help you to do that. It is, the Apple Watch is supposed to be synchronized so that it is the finest timepiece available. People are arguing over that, how how closely it keeps time. It is is geared to, to track very accurately what your heartbeat is, how many calories you've burned, what your target, whether you reach your target in your exercises, just by wearing it on your, on your wrist. So it's fine to track time and information. But in response, when God looks at time, it's funny, God says, you can, it's fine to track time. But here's what the watch, a watch like that can't do. It can't stop time for you, can it? It can't make your time fulfilling for you. It can't make it worthwhile. And when God talks about this in Psalm 89, this is what he says about time in Psalm 89, 47, 48. I want to remember how fleeting, how short my time is, how fleeting is my life. For what futility, God, have you created all men? In other words, if I'm just marking time, it's futile. What man can live and not see death or save himself from the power of the grave? And so in Ephesians 5, verses 15 and following, it gives us some instruction. of There's something that that watch can't do for you. It can't redeem your time. That's the word that gets used in the New Testament. It says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise people. Redeeming your time... That word redeeming means to buy it up, to make the most of every opportunity. Some of the translations have it. Because the days, the time that's passing, the days are filled with evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Colossians 4, 5 also says something similar. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders and redeem your time. So be aware of time, but understand that there's a bigger opportunity here. Make the most of it. Fill, fill it up with what makes it worthwhile. So let me just ask you this question. This next week, starting now, you've got seven days, 24 hours a day, 60 minutes an hour. 
You've got 60 seconds in a minute. No one has any more coming. No one has any less coming. What is it? What, it's going, what are you going to do? What are we going to do with that time that will, that will redeem some of it, that will make it worthwhile, that will last, something that will last forever? doesn't matter what you're wearing on your wrist. That decision is up to you and I. And God's invitation is, walk with me, practice my presence, live for my kingdom, and when you do that, you redeem, you buy up, you make lasting the amount of seconds that have been given to you. Okay, one more question on a bigger topic. Everybody's wondering if we're going to get to this. Let's talk, let's talk about this one. Because this is the most trending topic of, of the week. And it has to do with Ray Rice, Janae Rice. Now, Ray Rice, as you probably know, um, is a, a Pro Bowl back uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. And what prompted this is that back in the spring, there was video at a New Jersey casino of Ray Rice dragging his unconscious then fiance Janae, out of an elevator at the casino. And a lot happened as a result of that. There was quite a bit of outrage about what happened in that elevator. Um, they were married the next day after, either after the incident or after he was... Um, Charged. I think it was after he was charged. They did a press conference where they sat together and th- there was apologies, including Janae saying she deeply regretted her involvement in the incident, which sparked incredible amounts of outrage about domestic violence and making the victim, uh, trying to make the victim a criminal in it. He was suspended two games by the NFL, which created more outrage because those who work with domestic violence victims said the signal that was being sent there was completely inadequate. That people get more uh, suspension for a positive test for marijuana than they do beating a woman. And so that's been going on and on all through the summer. He served the first of his suspension days. And then this week, TMZ released another video that they attained from the casino the video from inside the elevator, and this is what you see. That he approaches her and he hits her with his left hand, knocks her cold, her head hits the the railing, and she is knocked out, knocked unconscious. It's a disturbing thing to see. We wonder whether we should even show it today. On the next day, or even later that day, He was released by the Baltimore Ravens and he has been suspended indefinitely by the NFL. Now, it raises all kinds of questions and it's obviously got our attention. Um, Because among the things that happened was the NFL claims it had not seen that video, that no one in their office had seen it. And now there's accusations of a cover-up because the Police have issued a statement saying they were requested and they delivered it to someone. Somebody's mistaken. Something's going on. And now people are calling for the, um, the resignation of the commissioner of the NFL. But it also, also has heightened the question of this problem in our culture. It was probably exacerbated by some of the things that have been said this week. And part of the reason it's trending is 
that there are other things that have happened, including the Ravens played a football game this Thursday, and at that football game, dozens of people were photographed and posed, we got one, of them wearing Ray Rice's uniform, including women. People are scratching their head, saying no one seems to understand the severity of this problem and how we deal with it. This is a messy, messy thing. Now, while I'm talking, I just want to ask you, because this is good. somebody does something like this wrong, how, how long do you think Ray Rice's suspension from his workplace should be for that? We'd like you to send that to us, and we'll just show him. I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer to that. He was originally suspended for two games. He's now been suspended at NFL. How long do you think? The season? Should he, should he never play again? If you have, just give us your opinion. What do you think is your, your um, what, you, what is your thought on that? Now, don't, if you see somebody put something up that disagrees with you, that's their opinion. Because keep in mind, you're talking about a person's livelihood here too. What punishment? We are calling for severe punishment, but what is appropriate in a setting like this? Let me ask it this way, if you're answering that question. Let's say it was you. Let's say you, in anger, were guilty of what just happened and your workplace was going to tell you we must, we must do something about that. Your livelihood is at stake. What would be appropriate for you? Now, just keep that in mind and maybe you can kind of let us know your thoughts on that. This um, piques our interest because, first of all, if you're like me, you, when you see a video like that, there is something that just boils up within me. There is something that just wants eye for eye, tooth for tooth, maybe more. There is something that really wants somebody to feel incredible pain. I don't, I'm not telling you that that's coming from a place of godliness. I don't know. It's just, my, it's just my natural reaction. Maybe it's yours, maybe it's not. Compassion does not bubble up in me for the agent of that kind of thing. It gets our... Uh, it gets our attention because there's also a commonality. And if the statistics are right, this is we say we want to be honest about stuff around here, and we're going to be honest about where we live, but that if the statistics are right, one out of three of the females sitting in this room who are high school age or older have either been or will be victims of what they call, let me get the phrase right, partner violence. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention has said that. Domestic abuse occurs at a rate higher than the number of automobile accidents, stranger rapes, and muggings that women experience combined. And get this, in 75% of the cases of domestic violence, the greatest threat to the person, to the victim, happens in the two weeks that follow the time when she leaves the environment. So that when there's a call on somebody to get out of there, that's when they're, and they do, that's when it's most at risk. It is a painful thing. And there are some of us sitting here in the room who have experienced it. Some might be, even be so bold as to tell you by sending something that says, I've seen it firsthand. It, it po- has polarized our opinions Because there are some who have said, well, 
is there only one person at fault here? Has it been brought? Did what prompted it? Is it ever excusable? I've got a personal opinion about that. That's pretty strong. But those questions get asked, and so it raises the question: So, what do we do with this? Okay, God is the God of the universe, but He's also the God of human behavior. We're accountable to him, and, we're, and we need to walk through this as a culture, but also as individuals. So what does he have to say about this kind of thing? All right, let's just think about it briefly. First of all, here's something that among the reasons I love being a follower of Jesus Christ is not just because I absolutely believe with all my heart that it, that it is the truth and the way, but it also has had a profound effect Positive influence on our world. Christianity, the Judeo-Christian line, Judaism and Christianity, have been responsible for elevating the value of women in culture in the world in places where it has been devalued, like no other religion does. God has said some things about... um, about that that were so... you, You and I hear them now and we say, well, of course, of course. But when they were said, they were profoundly distinct. For instance, in Genesis chapter 1, when it says that God created, he said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. When Moses wrote the next words, the people around him, the cultures around him, did not have this view. So God, it says, created man in his own image, In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It has not been the the view of major religions in our world that male and female are created both in the image of God, both equal as, as carriers of him. Even in our fallen state in Genesis 1, it says, when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God and he created them male and female and blessed them. There is a very, very high, distinct honor given to both men and women. And in Christ, God says something profound in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 28. He says, You're all children of God through faith in Christ. All of you were baptized into Christ, and you clothed yourselves with Christ. Now, in this culture, in the New Testament culture, the, in, and under the Roman uh, authorities, the, the, old, the phrase that got used was, Thank you, God, that I was not born an animal or a woman. Because there were no rights given to them. But in God, it says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. There is neither male nor female in how God looks at his children. You are all one in Christ Jesus. We are co-image bearers of God. And we are also co-heirs in Christ. First Peter 3 says that it calls on husbands to live with their wives in a way that respects them. It says, as the weaker partner, it's not saying weaker meaning inferior, it means the physiological formation of bodies tends to be different and puts men in a position of responsibility to protect that in women. And then it says, and co-heirs with you of the, great, of the gracious gift of life. Co-heirs with you. So, God has placed that in front of us and then he's given us a responsibility. Now, one of the, one of the, I believe this, that men and women are created to have, 
equal under God's vision of us, but they also have, have been, we've been given very distinct roles. And one of the roles he gave is to the males, where he said to the males, both in a family and in a, a marriage, but also in a community like this one, you're on point to honor and protect the females around you. You may have seen um, a clip that James Brown, who is on the NFL, uh, CBS's NFL telecast, said about that. I don't know where James Brown stands with God, but just take a listen to what he said in some of his comments. I the NFL community and all men to seriously confront the problem of domestic violence, especially coming on the heels of the murder-suicide of Kansas City Chiefs football player Jovan Belcher and his girlfriend Cassandra Perkins. Yet, here we are again, dealing with the same issue of violence against women. But let's be clear, this problem is bigger than football. There has been, appropriately so, intense and widespread outrage following the release of the video showing what happened inside the elevator at the casino. But what could be productive in this collective outrage, as my colleagues have said, could be channeled to truly hear and address the long-suffering cries for help by so many women, and as they said, do something about it? like the ongoing comprehensive education of men about what healthy, respectful manhood is all about. And it starts with how we view women. Our language is important. For instance, when a guy says, you throw the ball like a girl, or you're a little sissy, it reflects an attitude that devalues women. And attitudes will eventually manifest in some fashion. Women have been at the forefront in the domestic violence awareness and prevention arena. And whether Janae Rice considers herself a victim or not, millions of women in this country are. Consider this. According to domestic violence experts, more than three women per day lose their lives at the hands of their partners. That means that since the night of February 15th in Atlantic City, more than 600 women have died. So this is yet another call to men to stand up and take responsibility for their thoughts, their words, their deeds, and as Dion says, to get help or to get help because our silence is deafening and deaf. Better than I could have said it. This is real. This is present. It is represented in this room. And, and men in this room, I, I'm calling on you in that same way. There are several things. First of all, a whole lot of men in the room say, yes, fine, I would never, ever do anything like that. That's not where it ends. It goes all the way to the way we view the women in our lives, starting with our own wife and our children, to how, who, how we look at the people sitting right next to us. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 5 how to look at the people in community. And he said, I want you to look at the older women like they're your mothers. I want you to look at the younger women like they're their sisters with absolute purity. We are on point here. When it comes to protecting you could say, yes, we can call the police, but you know what? We have a responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ who's combined with other men in this place. I am on point to be a, a, a corporate protector of the honor of the females around us simply because they've been entrusted to be our sisters and our mothers in Christ. Therefore, there, is, there, there are a whole lot of careful guides that are given to females about what to do if you are the victim of domestic violence, but that never, ever, ever should somebody who is a victim of this or an agent of it 
believe that living in silence and hiding it is the right way. It never is. Guys, we need to form a wall around the women in our community, in this community, a wall of protection. If you get a phone call that says somebody's in trouble, it's time for you to take action. It's time for us to take action. We don't just stand by and hope they get help. We don't just say, I'll pray for you. We stand up to somebody in the room and maybe several somebodies who you say, it's only happened once or twice. Things got the best of me. I've made a vow. I'll never happen it again. I am calling you out to say, it will never go away. It will never be dealt with until you bring it in the light. Yes, it may get harder. It may be tougher. There may be more consequences in the short term. But if you really want health, if you really want godliness in your life, you ask for help. You expose what needs exposed. You accept the responsibility for it and you move forward through it. I believe that this setting should be leading the way in our culture for what it looks like for men to stand up and be chivalrous. Yes, I'll use the word to treat ladies like they're the queens of the world, to treat them with respect and honor and dignity and to elevate them. Ephesians 5 says it to husbands, but it could be said to to men in general to say, our job is to present the ladies in our lives to their creator as spotless and faultless and and to optimize who they can be. I believe that means to elevate them in our world, to give them opportunity and to protect them, whatever it costs us. Now, there are a couple other passages I could share about that. But let me just read you this one from Psalm 32. When the psalmist David, who's been trying to live in containment of a problem, containment of his sin, what he says, the effect it had on him. It says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. When I kept silent, My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For night and day, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. When that happens, surely the mighty waters, when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You, God, he says, are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. You'll surround me with songs of deliverance. Can I just say this to the single ladies in the room? If you're on a date, if there's a significant other in your life, it doesn't matter how involved you are, if that person exhibits physical aggression of any kind to you, it needs to be done. You need to turn to others and get help, and it needs to be done. It will not change by just ignoring it or or saying, I've been promised it won't happen again. If you are a married person and and you experience that, there is a separation from the threat that needs to happen. And there are people who need to gather around you. There are places and resources that could help. Do not let this linger. Now, let me just ask one other question about this. It's funny. Sometimes when you talk about somebody who victimizes somebody, the question comes about how long they need to pay for it, what can happen for them. We don't want to hear those kinds of questions right. It's too soon. We just want them to deal with it. We want them to be punished. Don't talk about restoration. 
Don't talk about them getting better. Don't talk about when they can return to whatever their lifestyle is. Because we're not ready to hear that. We just, first we want blood. First we want a pound of flesh from them. But there is a question about this. And the question has to do with domestic violence. Do you think Ray Rice can be forgiven? Do you think he can be restored? I'm not even talking about his marriage right now. I'm just talking about him as a man. Do you think he must always wear the label of of abuser? Do you think a person like that can actually change? Can they be transformed? I've heard it said that there are certain crimes. I, I talked with somebody who worked in the criminal justice system at a prison in the state of Indiana who said when they come in here and there are people who are, are, are guilty of certain crimes, everybody who works with them says, this person will not change. They can't be reformed. It's impossible. Can it happen? Can it happen for somebody who's sitting here? I got to tell you, I understand this needs to play out. I understand justice needs to happen. I understand the risk that comes with saying don't think, talk about anything other than what punishment needs to be doled out at this moment. But if I am who I say I am, and if I believe what I be- say I believe, then I believe, I have to believe that there is a transforming power available that can change somebody like Ray Rice. I have to believe that. I have to believe that that same transforming power can have an effect on my life and my heart because I may have never hit my wife, but I'm absolutely capable and I've been guilty of plenty of things which if you knew them, you'd be ashamed of me just like I would be ashamed of you, maybe. There are a whole lot of us who are bound up with things that they might look more or less extreme, but the question is, can we be changed? I don't think going into the criminal justice system has that kind of transforming power. I don't think that just this, the self-will and self-help kind of things can transform that power, but I believe there is a power available. And I believe, it ha- it, I believe it's a long road. I believe it's a hard road, but I believe it starts with a cleansing that comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who is not just a religious figure calling on us to be better people. He is one who changes people from the inside out. He is one who washes us clean from our sin. He is is one who injects his Holy Spirit into a life and has the power to control and to alter the things that are at the core of us so that our behaviors can change. Do you know it's not been in the news that incident happened in February, late February, or I think it was uh, during um, Valentine's Day. Do you know this summer, both Ray Rice and Janae Rice say that they have had, they made a decision and they became born again followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm a skeptic. I've known a lot of people who've gotten in trouble and got religion. Okay, I get it. You may doubt it, I may doubt it. I also know that they were, they were both baptized and I know that they have been mentored this summer and into this fall by Christian couples in the NFL community. Can Ray Rice be restored? Listen to what the Word of God says. First Timothy 1.13, Paul the Apostle says, Even though 
I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. A violent man. I was shown mercy. Paul the Apostle said that. And then he writes to the believers in uh, in the church in Corinth. You know that the wicked, the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. And now he has a whole list all of a sudden. He just throws them out. Neither the sexually immoral, or idolaters, or adulterers, or male prostitutes, or homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers. It's not an exhaustive list. You might as well throw domestic abusers in the list. That none of those people will inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, and so were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified, you were justified. Can you imagine Ray Rice being called sanctified or washed? That happened to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Here is the hope that we have regardless of what has happened, the hope that they have, the hope that we have. That no matter how deep it goes, no matter how guilty we are, how, much, how high a price we have to pay, transformation can happen. It can happen through one source, through a process that begins by coming to grips with who Jesus is, inviting him to bring cleansing into our lives and, the, and a new life that can take us on a different course. Guys, I gotta tell you, Sometimes I don't know how confident I am that that can happen for certain people. But I believe it. I've witnessed it. There are people sitting in this room right now who are living proof that it happens. And it's found in Jesus Christ. That is worth our attention. That is worth our focus. And I invite you wherever you are in that process, to turn to him as the one who gives life. Celebrate that he can transform. Let's worship him. Pray with me.